This is a scene in the Writers' Union in Moscow in 1961. Morin, a fictional newspaper editor, is taking Sasha Garlitch, a completely real songwriter and, and author of light comedies, out to lunch to, to make him a, a proposition. But they've been, they've been waylaid by the need to accommodate two French journalists who are knocking, knocking around Moscow because of the Party Congress. I'm so sorry, Sasha said, slipping into his seat. Uh, yes, another glass of that for me, please. Are you still doing the veal? Good. Veal for us both. It's all right, said Morin. You're a man of impulse, that's all. I don't know, Garlitch said. It just seemed to me that two plates of lunch were a price worth paying for a favourable view of the whole Soviet Union. Ah, there you are, you see, said Morin, pointing a big finger at him, hairy-knuckled. That is the kind of fearless thinking we need these days, responsible, sincere. More mottos of the Thor. Ah, shut up. All right, all right. But I mean it. Uh, since time is tight, listen, I, I do have a business proposition for you. I thought you might. Go on. Well, uh, we're running a series, Life in 1980. The idea being to put some uh, meat on the bones of the future to, to bring it to life for readers from various different points of view, you know, uh, political, economic, cultural, and so on. The veal arrived. Escalops in a cream sauce with peppercorns on a bed of rice. Morin cut his up, speared a morsel, and chewed blissfully. What did I say? Exquisite. Garnich waited. The problem, said Morin, waving his fork, is that they're all coming in a bit dry. Take a look at this, in confidence, of course. And he reached under the table to his briefcase and rummaged out a few pages of typescript. The universal abundance of products, read Garlitch. He took out a pair of reading glasses he preferred not to put on in public and leafed forward through the papers. Food, he read, should be tasty, varied and healthy and have nothing in common with the primitive gluttony of curs or the perverted gourmandism of plutocrats. Each member of society, he read, uh, will obtain a sufficient amount of comfortable, practical and handsome clothing, undergarments, footwear, etc. But this in no way presupposes superfluousness or extravagance. He began to laugh quietly and he went on laughing as the author explained how in 1980 Everyone's need for cultural goods will be fully satisfied, but it will be sufficient to be able to borrow a musical instrument from the public storeroom. That's, that's, that's it, he said, that's it. The dream of the ages, and it comes down to mashed potatoes, uh, woolly socks, shared use for trombone. Morin smiled uneasily. As I said, it, it is a little dry, not very inspiring, and that will be where you come in. We were thinking... A piece about the world of the future from the point of view of the human heart. How it will change us. How it will change the way we live and love to be citizens of a time without scarcity. That sort of thing. The private life of the future. Not a bad title, incidentally. Oh, come on, you don't need me. You want, what, a, a science fiction writer? No, 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 we do exactly need you. We said to ourselves we don't need anybody who's an expert in the future. What we have to have is an expert in feeling. This, he said, tapping the typescript, is, is all well and good, but it needs to be brought alive. It needs the little touches that say, real life is here. You can do that. You can make people believe in it. Oh, Morin, fuck your mother. Do you believe it, said Garlitch, and didn't realise for a moment that he had actually voiced it. This latest of the unaskable questions that lately ran in his head through and beside and around the conversations he had allowed 
reckless shadow repartee, plain and drastic instead of smoothly dabbed with nuance. There were ways to find out what people thought, and they were polite dances of implications, not this blunt public assault. It hadn't been a wish to know Morin's opinion that had caused the words to slip out of Gullich's mouth now, but he had said them. There seemed little to do but to follow with a smile, as non-committal as possible, as sphinx-like, leaving Morin to wonder about his motives for the provocation. Morin coloured. What a question, he said. My subjective reactions are... I mean, we can have this conversation. The poor boob really does want to be friends, thought Garlitch. But I don't think this is the time or the place to, to... Yes, of course I do, he went on angrily. Of course I believe it. This is a moment of justified optimism based firmly on the foundations of science. The ascent towards communist abundance, he snapped, is a profound historical process in which, as a journalist, I am naturally proud to participate. Good enough for you, said his eyes. He ran a hand back through the damp cowlick on his forehead. Honestly, what has come over you? I don't know, Sasha thought. Embarrassing someone like that is the last thing I would do. It's dangerous, and worse still, it's naive. But I have to say, it doesn't feel bad.